Hello, 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 health and whole marriages family. Welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for allowing us this time and opportunity to join you and for us to um, just invite you into our marital journey. We are so grateful that you are even here having this time with us and sharing your time with us as well. We are going to begin as we do with everything else and then jump right into our topic which may be a brief discussion, but what I will say is if you guys have any comments, questions, concerns, we welcome that opportunity to dive further into the discussion as well. Father God, we thank you for another opportunity to speak to your people. God, we pray that we will decrease and that you will increase. God, we just give you glory and praise for this platform. Those that will be here tonight, those that will listen God, we pray that your grace will be here. God, we welcome you into the room. God, we pray that you will be praised in this particular podcast. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Thank God. Amen. Amen. So, you guys, if it's your first time, we are Seth and Damia Roth, the faces behind Healthy and Whole Marriages or Voices behind Healthy and Whole Marriage Conferences Incorporated in this particular podcast. Thank you for even joining us on this new journey of podcasting on video, or is this considered a blog? I don't know, but we appreciate it nevertheless. <laughs> yes. Definitely check out our website, our social media platforms to learn more and more information about us, or you can always message us to find out more as well. But for this particular topic, we wanted to discuss with you guys or just share or invite you into our discussion. It is generally speaking, I'll just say sex and church or sex in the church. But it's from our perspective, obviously, from what we experienced growing up. And maybe we should share a little bit of our personal backgrounds of how we grew up uh, church wise and then dive into it a little bit more I will say this always. We are going to probably reference a Bible scripture or two or more, but definitely go back. Seek the word for yourself. Dive into the Bible for yourself. It is living and breathing, which means that God will speak to you through it for yourself. And then you apply it as it is necessary, as he gives you. This is from our perspective, and we don't want anyone to think that our word is, you know, the end all, even if we are sharing what we've received from the Bible. You know, sometimes just by way of being human, we can skip over a word. It can mess up a whole meaning. So definitely go back and check into it for yourself. So I will let you start about your background on church and then I guess or church and sex discussed in church. Let's just start with your church background. So I grew up in church. I grew up Pentecostal holiness and my father was a deacon and my mother was a Sunday school teacher. It seemed as though I was in church more than what I would have wanted as a child. But uh, we had a tight, tight fit around what church was all about and what we should be doing. And it was all about attendance for us. And it was all about being holy and separated and understanding that 
God was coming back and there was a real heaven and hell. And so I, I thought it was pretty, pretty tough <laughs> growing up uh, in our household and going to our particular church uh, because it was a lot of hell type of conversations. Like everything you did, uh, it was about if you didn't do it exactly the right way, you were going to meet. You're going to meet that adversary and dwell in hell. So it was tough, uh, but it was good uh, as it relates to uh, a foundation for me. It taught me how to decipher my own Christianity, how I saw it in my own religion. And yes, I felt that some things were, I don't think they were meant to be scary. Maybe that's the way I just perceived it to be. However, um, it helped me to shape who I am today uh, because I was able to build upon what I've learned and and really go back into the scripture for myself and really define what Christ was to me. Okay, so separate from all that, mm-hmm. how was sex addressed, if at all? It wasn't. In it church? wasn't addressed. Okay, that's what we're church. talking about. We're not well, talking you asked about me to talk about my right, religion right, first, right. so that's why I started. I'm saying the background and the upbringing, yeah. Okay. That's exactly what you told right. me to do. I know, I know. Then I thought I was going to get to that part. part. Okay, go no. ahead. You have any more about it? It just wasn't addressed? No, sex okay. wasn't addressed in the church. No, okay. that was, no, that was taboo. Okay. You were going to hell. Even if... If you said sex. Okay. Yeah, it was bad. Bad. Mm-mm. Can't say that word. So, I primarily... I guess when... I attended a few different churches in the sense of... I started off growing up in a family church where my grandfather was the pastor. I guess there was a... I don't remember a denomination related to that. But he was probably very much rooted in Baptist. Not really sure. Honestly, I'm not really sure. I just recall going to church a lot as well, like around the clock. So it was a small church. Every service, every meeting, every time the door opened, we were there because not only was that just the basic requirement, but when you're in a small church, that's a requirement because you're probably doing everything. And then if there was a small family church on top of that, yeah, that's where you live, eat, sleep, do your homework. That's that's what everything happens there. Separate from that, when that kind of dismantled, then we moved into another church and that became a non-denominational church for non-denominational church experience where I first kind of understood what that meant. And that church prop it they had actually it was a larger church, so it broke up a little bit into the um, younger. The youth had a little more attention, if you will. So there was a youth church, an actual youth church. And in that youth church, they kind of were relatable to topics uh, that were concerning us. And although I don't recall many discussions then, I know there weren't any when I was smaller. We migrated into this other church, if you will, when I was 15. But that was a younger pastor as well. And I know he touched on that in some shape, form, or fashion to the extent of just being relatable and dealing with the things that we were going to face going into college and being in high school, things of that nature. And then senior year, I started to visit your church, and I don't recall it being addressed. And that was a whole different atmosphere as well. So 
I think it's safe to say neither neither of us really heard a whole lot about growing sex up. growing up, not in church, in church. Um, but for sure. in that mid middle time, if you will, for me, um, it wasn't it wasn't as taboo. I don't think as the front end and the back end experience for me. So that's what we're talking about, right? Like, what do you do with that? Um, I think the problem is. I often say, like, there are people who are single that question being married, right? Because they feel that we make it look so horrible. We like, mm-hmm. make it look so boring. We make it look so hard. We make it look like we're having a horrible time. They're having much more fun. They have much more enjoyable sex lives, all of those things. And I have a problem with that because sex was not created for single people. It was created for the married people. It was created for pleasure in the marital bed as well as reproductive reproductive purposes as well right and to consistently or to hear a single person talk about how much they're enjoying quote unquote um, their sex life more than a married person it's bothersome for me because why like why should they be why are they able to talk to you about their sex life with one or more partners and you're not able to share your sex life as comfortably with your spouse the person you're supposed to actually be having sex with having enjoyable sex with so that's the problem where that's what lies as a problem for me and why this is a topic right because we don't we don't hear we still 15 years into marriage and we had a person probably a month or so ago get up and uh, they were praying in our prayer service and it was a person that was it was their turn to pray and they were praying for I think families and relationships and in the midst of the prayer kind of had to it was almost like they kind of had to ask for permission slash forgiveness and say hey if it's okay for me if it's safe for me to say God bless intimacy and marriages and sex and marriages and I was just like why are we apologizing for that in church when that should be a safe place for us to discuss it, right? And so, I mean, honestly, my eyes opened up during that part of the prayer because I was kind of thrown aback. This is not supposed to be a, a long discussion, but that one just came to my mind. So anything before I proceed in that? Well, I, I, to get back to the church issue, I believe that we as church people, yes, since I grew up in church, I'm saying us. Or as Christians, we tend to judge Absolutely. or condemn Absolutely. people about sex. So it's harder for us to reach those individuals, number one. Number two, I believe once that word sex becomes taboo, it's now this nasty word. And so we can't address it in the way that it needs to be addressed, which is with the beauty of what God intended it for it to be. So we then discuss it from a platform of don't do that. Yes, no it's fornication. Wrong. Mm-hmm. It's wrong. And then you get into the thought of pornography, which you, you have to talk about all of these other things of these sexual innuendos and all of this stuff that comes about with sex. And I believe that we shy away from it in church. This is just my opinion. It's because we don't know the facts 
about sex. Okay. Um, now, yes, we know the godly aspect of it. Yes, we know uh, the beauty of it from a, a marriage standpoint. But do we really know the intimacy and how to speak about it in a educational way uh, as pastors, as small group leaders? And I believe that's where we could possibly get help from counselors or people that specialize in sex so we can discuss those so it won't become this bad word for children to hear because i believe this is that eventually our children uh which are young children will hear about sex Mm -hmm. if we tell them or not Mm -hmm. if they hear it in church or not they will hear it it's much more understanding for me for us to talk about our children and talk to them about sex instead of them discovering somewhere else. Absolutely. And I believe that's the same way when it comes to the church aspect of it. Absolutely. Is that if we we can hear about of it in the godly way, yes, saving yourself from marriage, abstinence, all of those great things. But also, if a young lady, young man get involved in fornication, that we don't condemn, that we don't judge them, that we we counsel them and to help them to understand that there is a better way uh, in this in this Christian walk or in this separated walk, if you will. And we're able to coach them into a way to say sex is not bad. However, it's not blessed until you're in a marriage state. Right. And it's not meant to take place until you're in a marriage state because of course right now what we do more than anything i think is seeing see it on the single side of Mm -hmm. let me test and see right like do i really want to spend several years with somebody who can or can't or this that and the other right i want to know if that's this that and the other and they're taking away from the beauty of exploring and the beauty of learning because truth be told you're going to change in life and those changes are going to mean that there are going to be different things that are going to um, change about you. Mm-hmm. That one at one point, something may have been more pleasurable for you and now it's no longer as pleasurable and you need to, or you've discovered something else that may be a different and more pleasurable to share with your spouse. And you switching all the way around, all over the place, you never get to settle into that and enjoy and explore together and reach, you know, the pinnacle of where you're supposed to be, what God created it for, right? So before we get into some of the uh, those things that you brought up and dive any deeper, my perspective, and I'm going to bring up two particular scriptures, you kind of jumped into it about the the sexual, the fornication, right? And so it's kind of like, in some churches, you beat them over head, beat them over the head, or like a dead horse, rather. And don't fornicate, don't fornicate. Sex is bad, sex is bad. Coming from 1 Corinthians 6 and 18, flee from sexual immorality. All of the sins a person commits are outside of the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body and against the temple. Sex is wrong, sex is wrong, sex is wrong. I think the problem with that perspective is that not that particular scripture not saying sex is wrong before marriage 
or premarital sex is wrong or fornication is wrong. There's nothing wrong with that. I think the problem is that we approach it like that forbidden fruit. The same way that Adam and Eve were deceived and saying, oh, don't touch this. Well, you know, or the same way we tell our children, don't mess with this. It becomes more intriguing. Mm -hmm. The more you bash it and say, hey, it's horrible. It's going to be more intriguing naturally for a human to be like, what makes it so bad? I just Mm want to know, like, what could be so bad? Maybe it's really not as bad as they say, and they just don't want me to enjoy it and want to have it for themselves or something to that extent, right? And so it draws a person more than it does keep them away because they're so intrigued by it. When I think in actuality, it may be more beneficial to say it's a beautiful thing. It's a great thing. It's an enjoyable thing. It can be a mind-blowing experience that is meant for marriage, right? And if we talk it up in the sense of the marital bed, then maybe it may be something that people are more anxious to get to in the marital bed and look forward to in the Mm -hmm. marital bed as opposed to, well, let me see what's the big deal. And then they're stuck, right? Because based on this particular scripture alone, we know that sins are strongholds and they can be strongholds. But then to just go into 1 Corinthians 6 and 18 and say sins against your own body. The point of that is that we're all fearfully and wonderfully made. And our bodies are meant to be temples. And it speaks of against the temple. Our body bodies are meant to be temples for the Holy Spirit, temples of God, for him to embed in us his word, his truth, the right way, the right path, anything that will keep us, you know, on the straight and narrow, if you will, in a positive light where we will receive abundance and abundant life. If we're sinning, And we're tearing at the very creation Mm -hmm. by pulling apart pieces or allowing parts of ourselves to be torn away from and by different partners, which is technically what's taking place, right? Through the spiritual um, connection, then where is God able to really fit in? Because your temple is not as clean as it needs to be for him to come in and rest rule and abide Mm -hmm. and say, Hey, you know, let's do what we need to do today. Hey, let's go out here and conquer this particular, you know, vision that I've given you. So I, that's my perspective as it relates there. And because further out jump into Hebrews 13 and four and saying that because we don't approach it as a beautiful benefit of marriage, And we just want to shun it as, you know, we're not going to talk about it all the way around because if I make it sound good, then you're going to want to try it. Or, you know, instead of presenting it in a more enlightening, delightful way for marriage, then once it gets to marriage, we're like, well, we're still not going to talk about because it was so taboo beforehand where it says marriage. I think we end up stopping with marriage should be honored by all and the marriage bed kept pure. Right. I bet not be enjoying sex in marriage. Mm-hmm. Like if I discuss at all, anybody finds out whatever we're doing in the bed, position, book, whatever, you know, that we're we're sharing in bed. Okay, it is falling in the sand realm mm-hmm. and it's not. And we only feel that way because we've been judged prior to whether yeah, you did something or not and condemned about sex whether you did something prior to or not. 
even right. the simple thought of it. So now you're like, oh, I better not say it. I better not do it. I might go to hell. Mm-hmm. We can't do this. We can't do that. No, that's not what it means by undefiled. Oh, this falls in alignment with the the um, sexual immorality. So I'm going to stop there for now because right. I wanted to jump into the sexual immorality. Listen, part. I think you're doing a great job as it relates to how it's seen. It, it goes back to that one thing. To me, it just goes back to condemn. Like, sexual sin is the only sin. Right. And I believe if it's taken in that way, and I believe that it is so often taken that way, that's what caused us to close down on it. Because we don't want to address it. So we... We gossip about it. We we talk about it in a way. To me, that's unsavory. And I I was just thinking about when I think about judging. I think about Matthew seven and one. You know, do not be judged. I'm sorry. Do not judge unless you want to be judged by God. And then, um, you know, you you have to you have to find that that hope. We have to give hope. I, I believe that the church. I believe that we are the church, number one, but I believe that we have to give hope to those even when they've fallen on, whether that's any sin, uh, sexual immorality or any sin for that matter, is that we have compassion upon them. So they want to receive what God has. So they want to have that marriage. They want to experience that undefiled bed. But if we condemn them out of this setting, if you will, why well, look forward to that? Well, I'm just going to continue to do what I'm doing because I can never be right. And then, I, yes, I do believe that spills over into the marriage and saying, hey, I don't want to talk about those things. I just I just want to do the task of sex and be done. Right. Or just have the baby and, you know, make my parents happy because they have grandkids now, whatever the case, or uh, be fruitful and multiply. And mm-hmm. that's it. Mm-hmm. But not to explore the bed. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way that it should be explored, and I honestly feel that we are we're taught those things. So it depends on how you were taught regarding sex, how you were taught, and your upbringing on where you are. And did you go back? Like I stated, as it relates to church, growing up the way that I grew up, I came into the knowledge of saying, okay, I have to show myself approved to God, not to a pastor or church or um, their ideologies or the focus of what their separation was. It was about me discovering for me in order for me to really focus on my faith in God. And I believe that same thing has to happen when it comes to sex is that you have to discover, okay, if, if this is what they don't want to talk about it, I still need to know about it. Not to say that I need to try partners out, but I still need to know what orgasm mean and or how should I feel? I don't want this to be this place that I go to in marriage and then I'm afraid of exploring more because I've never heard of this. I think you have to study to show yourself approved in everything in life. But I think it's also definitely uh, important that you do it from a sexual standpoint in order to have a just a wonderful, wonderful marriage 
Uh, I, I know we, we make sex out of a big thing in marriage, but it's also it becomes this big thing because we don't have the communication that we should regarding right. it. And if we have the communication around it, I believe that sex becomes better. Um, and then the bed can become more satisfying. But you have to talk about it. And again, it goes back to me talking about studying the show yourself approved. What does your spouse feel right. about sex? What what makes them comfortable or uncomfortable? And if we're discovering this thing together, if we're saying, hey, we're not doing pornography, we're not going to watch pictures, we're not going to uh, ask anybody about what do you feel about it and what makes sense for us. Right. And if you start there, I believe whatever you heard in your church, whatever you, you went through in your life, you're, you're having a authentic conversation with the person that you love. And you're simply saying, let's talk about sex. And to me, that's a great starting point to go away from what you've heard and learned in a church. Absolutely. And I think even saying that because of so much of the browbeating having taken place about that growing up, that people are even uncomfortable to say, let's talk about sex. Like, it was uncomfortable for me to even think to talk about it because you end up kind of knowing that, okay, this is part of the process. Like for, yeah, you this is just part of being married. This is just what you do. And I don't know, especially for women, you're not told that, you know, you're supposed to enjoy it or actually take part in the process, take part in the activity. You are told that or you grow to learn that, that's a part of the process that you have to be available for, mm-hmm. right? And then you learn these other scriptures that that's not your body and things of that nature. And so it becomes even more unattractive and tainted and... Task-driven. <laughs> a chore, definitely yeah. a chore. And yeah. almost even for many, abusive because yeah. no one's concerned about me. No one's considering what my feelings are. And I'm not even supposed to consider my feelings in this situation. I'm just supposed to be available for this particular event to take place. And then everything else, it may or may not change thereafter as well. And I have a question, but I'm not, and before I get into the question, um, just to refer back, I spoke about first Corinthians 6, 18, and it's actually 18 through 20 talking about fleeing from sexual immorality and sins against your own body and against the temple as believers that our bodies are supposed to be or are our our temples or temple of the Holy Spirit. And then, of course, marriage being undefiled, the marital bed being undefiled. And when we think of undefiled or pure, then it's like, okay, there's supposed to be one particular position. We don't discuss anything before, after, during We don't discuss, even ask questions to counselors or anything of that nature, whether you're comfortable or not, or is this what's supposed to take place? And so when you have to take the route of not doing what you said, study to show yourself approved by talking to your spouse, Mm -hmm. my first go-to on everything is always going to be pray, right? Pray. If you're uncomfortable, uh, uncomfortable with the discussion, pray about being able to have the discussion with your spouse 
Pray about you all having the discussion and growing comfortable with it. And then you all growing comfortable with the actual act and what you like and don't like and all of those things. Because only in that are you truly studying to show yourself to approve in that you study your partner. You study what they want, what, what works for them, what works for the two of you. You don't want to end up studying through YouTube, friends, and pornography, right? Because then you're opening up your marital bed to becoming defiled. And we're going to get, let me go expound on that a little bit in saying that, in, in expounding on sexual immorality. Just it's said that in the New Testament, the word most often translated as sexual immorality is pornea, which clearly sounds like where we get the word pornography from. This word is also translated in fornication, idolatry, whoredom, all of that stuff. And we can think of when we think of and we can think of sexual immorality then as anything involving any type of sexual expression outside the boundaries of a biblically married or defined marital relationship. Mm -hmm. So anything beyond that, um, where it comes into fornication, pornography, uh, adultery, all of that stuff outside of the marital bed is where you can kind of throw that generalized into um, sexual immorality. But seeking God first about it, discussing things with your spouse, I think that's the safest route to take, like to start, right? And you don't want to just go on. Yeah, you don't want to just be trying to figure it out on your own or just taking advantage of the opportunity and not having that discussion with your spouse. Because truth be told, having that discussion and praying, it can become a much more pleasurable experience for you as well as your spouse. Amen. Because you're having that opportunity to say, okay, we both care about this. This is both important to us. Let's do what's working best for us, right? What works best for us as a team instead of just saying, hey, just going to go on, do what I know needs to happen. And, you know, the both of you are not going to be, probably neither of you ultimately are really going to be satisfied, satisfied. with the situation. Right. Um, there was something else you brought up and I forgot. Mm. Oh, so the question was, when growing up in that situation, when growing up in the situations we grew up in, where many people probably grew up in as well, where marriage, not marriage, sex wasn't discussed. You don't talk about sex. What we know is you don't do it. We know it's supposed to happen and that it actually happens in marriage because they have children. So we know the children came from somewhere. They had to have done it for at least the, the number of times that they have the number of children they have. But nothing else discussed from there. But we know that there were people that were participating in fornication or premarital sex. What do you recall may have been the result of that? Like people finding out because my my knowledge and recollection is, of course, you know, nobody really finds out except for by way of pregnancy. Right. And that's usually on the girl. 
Yeah, and, and, and I think that's that's where the, the condemnation, you know, we, we hide the girl and, you know, she goes and away. And condemn the girl, yeah. Uh, goes away for a while and then all of a sudden she comes back with a baby and or not come back with a baby. You know, some foreign auntie or uncle has this particular baby and everything is A-OK. I don't, I would say growing up in that environment made me curious to have sex though. Because I wanted to know more about it. Not so much that I wanted to uh, get somebody pregnant. It was more of, okay, what is this forbidden thing that we never talk about? And so that's the way that I took it. Okay. I'm trying to think of the way that I really want to restructure the question then. But definitely, I'll just say absolutely the, the... girl the female is the one that's condemned even more so and so from that condemnation she very likely may stop having sex before marriage or definitely a lot quicker than the guy would because he may or may not have been found out to be the person who is the father of the child and you know that's just what guys do or boys do is kind of what even in the church kind of you know the the um Oh, gosh, what follows most guys. And so she stuck with that and and stuck with the the condemnation of kind of allowing it to happen. You knew better. You knew the process. You knew versus the both of them. So that's another story for another day as well. It is. Absolutely. But um, I think that's the gist of where I wanted to go and what I wanted to dive into and that just basically we have to approach it in a different way. We have to start, as I say with everything, start with prayer. If we want our marital beds to be undefiled, to be pure, to be enjoyable as they were intended to be because God created it for that. God created marriage. He created the organs on our bodies, right? The sensations on our bodies and what they can create, what they can result in. He's very much aware. Some of us are like, pray about sex, like absolutely, and everything we're supposed to pray. And he, if he's already blessed marriage, he's going to bless your marital bed. He's going to bless your sex life. Go ahead and pray about it. Pray, talk to your spouse. Do not make it taboo. Break that bond, break that whatever it is that that whole cage or whatever it is that you all have put around that has created a limit on your sex life and kept you from having as our friends call it great married sex uh the smiths wrote a great book on that but great married sex or great married sex life whatever is preventing you from doing that sit down have the discussion explore it Unfortunately, there are a lot of things attached to that because of the condemnation that we end up experiencing that we could have avoided or didn't have to experience it by way of it being such a topic that's never discussed, such a topic that we never really learn about until we're married. And then we're like, what is it? Well, what did that mean? I remember hearing that. What? All I knew was my leg was shaking and I didn't know. And it was like, wait, what? You know, um, and it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate that we are still refusing to talk about it. I'll say this as well, that I have heard people say, no, I'm not. 
doing these things or I don't do these things with my spouse that I did before I got married. And I was like, why? Like, why not? It's almost as if, okay, this is this is retirement time. I had all the fun before I got married. I I went out and I, um, as a female, I met him in a trench coat or whatever and nothing else on. But I haven't done that with my husband because, no, that's not what we do. That's not what we're supposed to do. That was in my fun days. That's not what you do. You don't test out everything, have a party and a sex, a sex party, right? Prior to getting married and then you retire yourself and your organs through marriage. I agree. So that's that's the way that I've heard it and flip it around. I've heard it the other way as well as far as um, guys are concerned. And we just have to get a better perspective on it. If we do and we allow God to bless it the way he intends, I believe it can be a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. That has been my experience. And we pray the same for you guys. That's a part of having a marriage that is winning. So that's all for me. That's That's all all for marriage sex in the church on this particular podcast session. And we thank you so much once again for joining us and allowing us to be a part of your marital journey. At this time, we're going to close out the same way we started, and that's with prayer. Did you want to pray regarding this? No, I'm good. Thank you. Father God, we just thank you. We praise and bless your name, God, for this opportunity, this platform to come before your presence once again with this subject of sex in the church. God, I pray that this subject will not be taboo in our churches, God, that marriages will flourish, oh God, because of the communication that is had. Lord, we rebuke judging, we we rebuke condemning and gossip about those that are in the church or have been a part of the church and can't go back because of that feeling, oh God, I pray that you will break down that barrier today and that you will bless that they that are condemning, oh God, that they will be convicted by your scripture. And God, I pray for marriages around the world that you will bless them to have wonderful marriage sex, God. Help them to undiscover the undefiled bed. God, help them to come out of retirement tonight. And God, I appreciate you, oh God, because I believe you that you will bless marriages better than anybody, anything, any counselor can. God, we believe you to do exceedingly abundantly above all in marriages today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Thank God. Amen. Amen. And until next time, be healthy. Be whole. Be be blessed. blessed is our prayer for each of you. We'll see you next week.